0: Good morning and welcome to a brand new month. We are glad to see the second day of it. Uh, happy Palm Sunday, uh, I believe. We are we are in the celebration and in the mood for that. Amen. Um, this also signifies a brand new quarter. I pray that may this quarter be better than your last one. So keep hope alive. Amen. And keep walking with God every step of the way. As we all know, we have kick-started our Easter prayer and fasting festival. And yesterday was day one. We had a great time at day one, a very powerful time. We spent time really praying. And we are believing God uh, for great and mighty things that He has in store for His children. Amen. So as the days go by, we expect it to be greater. So tonight is day two. Don't forget. So we are having two services. This is one service, and the second service is 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. We will meet to pray. And this year, I really want us to zone in and key in a lot on prayer. You know, it's not just talking and teaching on prayer, but also doing it. I'm more concerned about the doing aspects. Amen. So I pray that as we are praying, may you receive some revival and some fire in your individual prayer life. And and also, it's not just enough to pray individually, it's also such a great blessing to pray corporately as an assembly of believers. Amen. Uh, The Book of John series will be on hiatus for a few Sundays. So today I want to preach for the occasion. Uh, as we start our Passion Week with Palm Sunday. So please turn with me to Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 to 14. I believe the worship leader just read a a few of it, uh, so I'll just continue for him. Amen. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 to 14. Matthew 21, 12 to 14. And I read... Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. This morning, I'm speaking or talking on what I've entitled, Why Did Jesus Do That? Why Did Jesus Do That? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for the inspiration behind this sermon. Thank you for the revelation that is born out of knowing. And thank you that you will speak through me. Thank you that you will impact the sermon in a way that will be beyond words. Thank you that this word will be written on the tables of our hearts. We thank you that we will run with this word, O Lord, as you expand our capacity to obey it. Oh, Holy Father, I thank you that I have an opportunity once again to preach to your precious saints. May I do it to your glory. Amen. Today's reading really focuses on what Jesus did after his triumphant entry. So the first scripture reading before we ensued worship was about Jesus actually going into Jerusalem. That's why we have Palm Sunday, because... As we all know, the ladies cut palm trees and they put them down and and celebrated Jesus as a hero, as a Messiah. Even when they used the word Savior, they were not using it in a religious sense. They were using it in a military term, like somebody like David, somebody like Joshua, or even somebody like Moses, Mm -hmm. more as a deliverer. But Jesus, he did not come to pursue earthly courses. He rather came to save us from the sins of our world. Amen. So this particular story that we just read, after he entered into Jerusalem, the next eventful thing Jesus did was go to church. And this story actually is littered across the Gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, and it's in John. And like I keep on saying, whenever... You find a story that is replete um, in other gospels, especially when it comes to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You will have to read all the accounts so that you'll be able to have a fuller, a bigger, and a broader picture of that event. Amen. So, this event was in fulfillment of a prophecy by Malachi in his book, Malachi chapter 3. So, I just want us to go to Malachi. Like I keep on saying, I'm sure one day when we go to heaven, now I'm sure, I believe we'll all go to heaven, uh, one day someone will come and introduce himself to you. Hello, my name is Malachi. You do read my book. What are you going to (laughs) say? So open to Malachi. Because some of these books, we barely read them. Amen. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. Behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek. So the first part of verse 1 is talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the way maker. He just came to make way for the Lord by preaching repentance, softening the hearts of the audience so that Jesus could have a fertile landing in terms of preaching. So now, this other part of verse 1 is now talking about Christ. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a laundress soup. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, Mm -hmm. that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Mm -hmm. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. Amen. So Jesus actually going to the temple was a fulfillment of this prophecy. And when Jesus also sat on the donkey, he was also fulfilling prophecy according to Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 because Zechariah prophesied that Jesus was going to sit on a donkey and he was going to have a triumphant procession. And like Jesus kept on saying, I came in the volume of the book. He came to fulfill and make sure that every Old Testament prophetic scripture concerning his life was fulfilled. Hence, the coming of Jesus. And one of the interesting things about Jesus, he had a custom, a habit. One of his habits was he went to church. Can you believe Jesus, the son of God, the one who created the heavens and earth, went to church. Every Sabbath, he was in the synagogue. And if the Son of God has time to go to church, and why are you going to preach to the Son of God? Anyway, he was a preacher. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. But it's fascinating that he always went to church. If you don't believe me, look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, as his custom was, he went to church. So Jesus went to church but this time when Jesus went to church, he wasn't going as a teacher or he was not going for a worship experience. This was a very eventful visit and it was an eventful visit that had a fourfold purpose. So the first purpose why Jesus went to the church was to fulfill prophecy. Now, what did Jesus do when he went to the church? We just read it. The same account is in Mark, Luke, and John. The Bible lets us know that when he went, the place was like a marketplace. And he overturned the money changers' tables and those who sold doves in the church, in the synagogue. And what did he do? He used a cord or a whip to drive everybody out. And when he finished with passion, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Now, why did he do that? I want us to look at these four purposes. One, he did this to fulfill prophecy. And we just read in Malachi chapter three, verse one to four. It spoke of, Jesus who was coming as a refiner and him coming as a purifier. You know, this was Jesus last week before he left the surface of the earth. And no, before he died, I'm sorry. Because after Jesus died, he stayed on the earth 40 more days. So this was Jesus' last week before he died. And before he died, he made sure that he sets the house straight. He became a refiner. He became a purifier. What is a refiner for? A refiner normally takes out the dross in silver and in metals. And when it's able to take the impurities out, which is known as dross, the metal is able to shine brighter. Jesus came to the church to make sure that anything that clogged us from becoming brighter will be taken away. The second thing about Jesus that we have to know, well, I'm talking about prophecy. He fulfilled prophecy. Was that he also came to show his zeal? That is prophecy. You know, when you read the uh, the, the the John's accounts, the the book of John, John chapter two, where this story is, the Bible says that when the disciples saw Jesus, as they remembered the scripture that said, "The zeal of my Father's house." has consumed me or has eaten me up. And that scripture is in Psalm 69, verse 9. David quoted it. So he came to fulfill prophecies, prophecy about him refining and purifying the church and his zeal, his passion. If there is any institution, organization, Jesus was very concerned about, it was the church. He had so much passion about it. The second purpose why Jesus came was to clean the house. He came to clean the house, and the house was made of thieves. If you read Mark 11:17, Luke 19: 1945 and John 2:17, those words were used. He called them thieves. They were actually thieves who had now occupied the church. and they had made the church into a marketplace. In fact, if you read John chapter 2, Jesus says that, why have you made my my father's house a house of merchandise? And if you look at that word, merchandise, it meant an emporium, a place where they sell things. So the church was no longer a church where people were being blessed, people were being edified, people were being taught the laws of God. The church had now become an emporium. It had become a marketplace. And for this reason, Jesus came. They were merchandising the church. And for this reason, Jesus came. It was so bad during those times that when you come to the church, you don't bring offering. During those times, they had the money that you use and then temple offering. Temple money. So you don't take your money that you had, your denarii in those days, the currency that they have, you don't use that as offering. You come and do exchange. There was a forex bureau there. So you exchange the money and the exchange rate was two days wages. Can you imagine? Two days wages. For example, let me bring it home. What's the average American salary? Let's say New York, for example, because New York is known to be the center of America. An average worker's salary or wage for a day is an hour. I think fifteen hours, fifteen dollars an hour. That's times that times eight thousand is about one hundred and twenty. So, averagely, an American's average wage a day is one hundred and twenty dollars. When it's two days. That's two forty, and that's tax. That is the rate at which you will exchange your money for temple tax. These people were robbing the people, and they were not just robbing the people. You couldn't bring any sheep, or goats, or bullock to perform sacrifices. Before you bring a sheep, the priests who were supposed to priest they had to inspect the sheep and know whether it is temple approved. Because if it is temple approved, it had a stamp on it. If it didn't have a stamp on it, you go and get the temple one. That's what they were doing. These people were making merchandise of the gospel. Unfortunately, there was no preaching. There was nothing going on. So Jesus had to clean the house. He had to get rid of robbers. He had to get rid of the thieves who were merchandising the gospel. In fact, I, I could see in my mind's eye that these people were poor. Can you imagine working five days a week, six days a week, two days of your wage is just for temple money so that you will be able to give offerings. And not just that, you don't just bring any animal. If it doesn't have temple approved on it, it's not accepted. You couldn't bring any animal because they had their own animals in the church and they will sell it to you. And the priest will inspect it before he would take it to the place of atonement for the forgiveness of your sin. Wickedness was going on. And for this reason, Jesus had to get rid of thieves to clean the house because he was about to die. And the third thing that Jesus did was he restored the purpose of the church. The intent of what the church actually should be. And under the purpose of the church, there are five things that I want us to know about what the purpose of the church is. One. It should be a house of prayer. It's not supposed to be a place of merchandise. It's not supposed to be a place where you can pull a fast one on people. It's supposed to be a place of prayer for all nations. Mark eleven seventeen. 17. All nations. It was a place of intercession. It was a place of believing that one day, other races, aside Jews, will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. It was a place of prayer. Church should be a place of prayer, a place where there is no prayer. You don't call it a church; it's a social club. It's a place of prayer. So Jesus came to restore the church, brought the church back to its original intent. It should be a place of prayer. Number two under-restoring the purpose of the church. The church should be a place of hospitality because during those times when Jesus went to the church, it had become too exclusive. If you have no money, that means you couldn't go to church. How many people will be able to afford two days' wages just to have exchange of money? Is the church a forex bureau? but the church had become a forex bureau, taxing people. So not many people could go. It was just a select few that could go to the church. And when you read the scripture in Matthew chapter 21, verse 14, after Jesus drove out the people, look at certain classes that now came to the church. The blind, the lame, even antagonists. And chief scribes and Pharisees. They were also in the church. And then children. You see? So when Jesus drove out the money changers, four classes of people came to church. There was the blind. There was the lame. These are vulnerable people. People without support. People who are dysfunctioned, People who are disenfranchised. People who have no support should not feel excluded from coming to church that is why christ created the church yes work may exclude them financial institutions may exclude them but the church should not be a place where they should also be excluded the, the church should be the last place where somebody who is vulnerable should be excluded and this is the reason why jesus came to do what he did and he became very violent about us. Why? Because he wanted the vulnerable to come to church. The church should be a place of hospitality. The blind should be able to come. The lame should be able to come. Children should be able to come. And then antagonists, people who are even opponents of the church, should also be able to come. The church has an open-door policy. But when they had turned the church into a house of merchandise, it had become an exclusive club. Have you ever been to an exclusive place before? I remember one day, my wife and I said we wanted to play golf. So we saw a golf course where we decided to go. And when we go, we had to say, let's go and play. Let's try and, try and play golf. When we went there, they didn't even open the gate to see us. They just they just stood in front of the gate of us. And, and they just gave us one. How much do you make? Well, I mentioned my, my salary. My wife mentioned her salary. And she qualified. I didn't qualify. So I told her, okay, you can go and play the golf on your own. I'm going back home. (laughs) Amen. But I was excluded because they were looking at my yearly salary. My yearly salary is not good enough to join the golfers. And church had become a golf course. But Jesus came to break down all these walls of exclusivism so that Everybody could have access into the church. The church should be the last place where we should put an embargo on who can come or who should not come. Everybody should come to the church. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel. Everybody deserves to hear the gospel being preached. That lives should be transformed. Everybody, nobody should be counted out. He may be smelly. He is invited to the church. He may not have money. He's invited to the church. He might have a questionable background. He should be invited to the church. He might be on drugs. He's invited to the church. Because only God will be able to make sense out of senseless situations. But we should not become like the priest who will lift up bars of exclusivism and who will make the place so Uh, upper echelon that only a select few can come in. Jesus broke down the walls of exclusivism so that the blind, the lame, people who are disenfranchised, people who have no support, and even children could come to the church. The third purpose under restoring the purpose of the church was the church should be a place of healing. Look, Following money sometimes can make you very evil. People were sick. People were blind. But because of mammon, because of greed, their hearts were closed to the plight and to the suffering of men. The Bible lets us know in Matthew chapter 21, I read that scripture that when Jesus cast out the money changers and overturned the tables, the blind and the lame came and he healed them all. The church should be a place of healing. The church is not a place of hoarding. The church is not a place of merchandising. The church is not a place of drug pushing. The church is not a cali cartel. The church is a place of healing. People have real problems. And if we are not going to heal, if we are not going to be messengers of hope, then we should get out of the way and close business. But to be in existence... And to do anything otherwise than what God has ordained his church to be. Hey, it's a it's a furious thing in the sight of God. The fourth thing under the purpose of the church was the church should be a place of praise and worship. And I wouldn't want to belabor that because he read just those scriptures. That if you don't serve me, I, I will cause stones. The Bible lets us know, and if you read further, the Bible lets us know that the children, the babies, they were crying hosanna, and, and the Pharisees, they were looking at them, scoffing at them. What are these people saying? And Jesus says that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings I have ordained strength. Other verses, I have ordained praise. If you will not worship me, I can command stones to worship me. On the road to triumphant entry, he said it, and in the temple, he said it. Jesus is particular about praise. On two occasions on the same day, Jesus is particular about praise and worship. The church should be a place of praise and worship. And I thank God that we spend a larger portion of our service just worshiping the Lord. It's okay. Sometimes it is okay just not to even preach and just to praise and worship the Lord because the church should be a place of praise and worship. And under restoring the purpose of the church, let me give my three points. The church should be a place of teaching. It should be a place of teaching. Now, if you read Luke's version, in Luke chapter 19, verse 47 to 48, after Jesus had driven the money changers and overturned their tables, the Bible says he taught them the word of God. The church should be a place of teaching. The church should be a place where you should know more about God, not more about exchange rates. The church is not a place to know more about tax rates. The church should be a place where you should know more about God. You should fall more in love with God. You should know about the Holy Spirit. You should know about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You should be trained for the work of the ministry. You should be trained so that you will know what it means to live life like a Christian and be influential. This is what the church is for. The church is for teaching the laws of God. It should be a place of teaching. So the the third reason why Jesus came was he came to restore the purpose of the church. And under restoration of the purpose of the church, five things that we have to know. It's a house of prayer. It's a place of hospitality. It's a place of healing. It's a place of praise and worship. It's a place of teaching. And then the fourth reason, Jesus also now used this event as an opportunity to talk about the true temple. And when he was talking about the true temple, he was talking about his body. Now, when you read John's account, that is why I always tell you, read all the accounts. Because when you read all the accounts, you are able to get a fuller and broader picture of this one particular event. When you read John's account, After Jesus had driven the money changers and had overturned the tables, they said, what sign does this mean? Jesus says that, destroy this temple and I'll build it in three days. And these people were blind. I mean, why will you not be blind? When money is your God, you will be blind. When money is your God, you will be blind to spiritual truth. When money is your God, you will not hear God. When money is your God, you you will be dull. Your, your your hearts will be, your minds will be blind to the knowledge of God's truth. These people say that it has taken us 46 years to build this temple. And you are saying you will destroy it in three days. And Jesus said that he was talking about the temple of his body. I will destroy this temple and I'll build it in three days. So Jesus also used this opportunity to talk about the true temple. And the true temple is his body. And thanks be to the Lord that when we read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, we are also the temple of Christ's body, which Christ is now the head of the body. That's why Christ is the head of the church, because it's likened to a body. Today, we are also the temple. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we can say that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus used this opportunity to talk about the true temple. So from today's story, we have seen how passionate Christ is about the church. The physical place where believers gather is known as the church. We have seen how Christ is passionate about the church, the body of believers. How many of us gathered here, we are also called the church. Jesus was passionate about the church that he died on the cross. The passion. He, 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 the, this story should also teach us how much he loved the church and how much he loved for us to be part of the church. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1 we are also called the church. We are part of Christ and Christ is the head of the church. We are part of his body. Christ loved us. He's passionate. So we should learn that about the passion, the zeal. The zeal of his father ate him up when the church was misaligned. Because for Christ, it's like, if I should go back to my father and also I ascend, how can the church become a place of influence? How can the church become the salt of the earth and the light of the world? when it has misaligned goals and misdirected vision. He had to do what he had to do in that fury to align our goals and align our vision so that of a truth, we can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. May the peace of God be with you as you've heard this message. And I leave you with the blessings that Easter has to afford us. But before that, May we end on this prayer that, Lord, may I present you well as a church, individually and corporately. Let that be your prayer. Before we meet tonight for day two of our Easter prayer and fasting festival, let this be your prayer that, Lord, may I represent you well as a church, individually and and corporately. May I do it respectfully. May I do it reverentially. Because the fury that Christ exhibited, he will exhibit that same fury when the church's goals, visions, and mission are misaligned. Thank you, Lord. On this Passion Week, may we also have your passion that you had for your church, that will do your work, will represent you well on an individual front and on a corporate level. In Jesus' name, amen. Over to you, Pastor Jessica.